WBNE. Hello and welcome to episode 82, all about Return of the King, theatrical edition, part four, being the 82nd part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined by both of the winters, Valerie and Casey from Hello from Elsewhere. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hi there. So excited for both of us to be on at the same time. (laughs) Momentous. It's not usual, so. I love it. I'm so excited. Truth be told, I've had I mean, I think everyone listening could say that they've also had a rough week considering 2021 has not been very forgiving. So, I've been right. looking forward to sitting down and recording with you guys for several days now, and I'm just so glad it's here. Us too. Exactly. Been really looking forward to it. We've probably already talked in past episodes about how you guys came to be familiar with Lord of the Rings, but do you have any specific memories associated with watching the movies for the first time? Let's see. Two Towers is the first PG-13 movie that I got to see <gasps> in theaters. Ooh, very so cool. Very that special. That was very exciting. And then um, the Return of the King, I remember, because we lived just outside of Las Vegas in Henderson, and so there was this one like casino that had a really good movie theater that we would go to. But for whatever reason, that time, they had the sound system was so loud, which is always obnoxious yeah but also with lord of the rings that's like deafening in some points then (laughs) yeah exactly so i literally watched the whole movie with my ears plugged and (laughs) could hear everything perfectly (laughs) so that was kind of funny it didn't ruin the experience for me but it was very loud (laughs) like all the battle scenes i was like this is killing my ears return the king i think was the first movie i remember crying at in the theater um, oh, wow. Just because it was, yeah, it was emotional for me. At multiple points, I was teary-eyed. And uh, so, yeah, I have, I have very fond memories of watching Return of the King. I saw the movies before I read the books. Um, I'd seen the first movie and really liked it. But I was like, well, I'm going to sort of keep the stories contained. And I decided I wanted to watch all the movies before I read the books. Um, so I kind of had to wait a few years as the movies were coming out in theaters. But, yeah, I remember fondly. I was with my little brother. It was just me and him. And I was pretty... Uh, pretty distraught that it was over was this like a, a big deal or a big like trip that like oh you're and you're in charge so it's funny because i i didn't really realize that people would go to the movies like by themselves it's not a very common thing but i, me- I remember one time i was going to go with by myself and my mom got like mad at me she's like you can't go to a movie by yourself take your brother <laughs> i think we need to normalize going to the movie theater by yourself. Um, I mean, obviously not right now because nothing is open, but (laughs) I did like, I I started doing that um, a couple years ago where it would get to a point where there would be movies coming out and I would ask friends to go see it with me and people either wouldn't be interested or they would just be busy. And it, it just like never got around to me going to see this movie that I really wanted to see. And then I would just never see it. Yeah. I started like a couple years ago making it Kind of like a, a treat yourself, treat yourself moment of I'm yeah. gonna go to 7-Eleven and stock up on candy and sneak <laughs> it all in my purse. I'm gonna have all my movie exactly. snacks. I'm gonna wear super comfy clothes. But I did still feel like I had to lie about this though. Whenever my mom, because this was back when I was still living at home, and my mom would be like, "Oh, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to the movies with Hallie," and she's like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> and one time I I slipped up and I mentioned something like after I got home from the 
movie and I was talking about like, oh yeah, I was in the wrong seat, but it was a much better seat than the one that my ticket was for. And it was a totally empty row. So, and my mom was like, but where was Hallie? And I was like, oh, I went by myself. (laughs) And then my mom went, oh, are you okay? And I was like, that's why I've been lying to you about going to the movies by myself. (sighs) Well, we're not going to the movies by ourselves today. We are talking together about the middle portion sort of of Return of the King. This is kind of in the point of the movie where you're starting to be like, okay, this is where a normal movie would start maybe wrapping up. Yeah. Or this would be the climax of a normal movie, but no, we still got we still got another, you know, hour and a half. In Minas Tirith, things are going about as well as can be expected when your steward is currently planning to burn himself alive with the son who he believes is dead despite the fact that he is whimpering faintly. All that to say, things are not going well. In Mordor, things are going about as well as can be expected when you yell at your best friend and let a gremlin hobbit lead you to a trap where a giant spider is going to eat you. Shelob, our fourth female character in the series, makes her appearance and stabs Frodo, paralyzing him and wrapping him in a web. Just before she's ready to dig in, Sam appears and defeats her, but it appears he is too late. I say appears because Frodo is still alive, but no one in the story knows how to check a pulse. Believing him to be dead, Sam leaves him behind when orcs approach who then reveal the shocking information that Frodo is not quite dead. Buckle up, folks, because we're in for a ride as we go back to Minas Tirith to see how the siege and battle are progressing. Pippin tries to stop Denethor from burning my boy alive, but is thrown out and left to find Gandalf in the madness of the battle. And it's really not looking great. The women and children should have been evacuated ages ago. The city is being bombarded by giant flaming balls that I'm sure have a technical medieval war term and every monster we've encountered so far is running rampant. It seems all hope is lost. But what's this? Off in the distance, I hear? Rohan makes a triumphant appearance as the sun rises just in the nick of time to help save the day. How do you like it, Gandalf? Theoden shouts. Not so fun when you think you're going to die and then people show up at the absolute last second to save your butt. He doesn't actually say that. Eowyn and Mary, who have not so subtly snuck into the army, listen to Theoden's mildly motivational speech and then charge into action with the rest of the Rohirrim. After finally finding him, Pippin and Gandalf storm into action with Shadowfax to stop Denethor from doing something so heinous that it's as if the Palantir has driven him mad. Oh, that's not what happens? Oh, okay. With the strength of a mother lifting a car from her child, Pippin pulls Faramir from the pyre. Denethor finally snaps out of it long enough to realize that Faramir is not dead and that his plan was insane, but it's too late. Just like the second installation of the Hunger Games trilogy, Denethor is catching fire and he jumps to his fiery end. Eowyn, Mary, and the Rohirrim are doing a decent job holding their own against trolls, orcs, and oliphants, which are a lot more terrifyingly violent than Tolkien described in his cute little hobbit poem. Gandalf comforts Pippin about death just in time for the Witch King to show up. Eowyn jumps in to protect Theoden from the Witch King and his fell beast. She hacks off the beast's head but is knocked down and told that no man can kill him. Lucky for Eowyn, Mary's not a man and neither is she. Mary stabs the Witch King in the leg, giving Eowyn the opportunity to deal the killing blow. Take that, patriarchy. Tolkien really loves it when armies appear at the last second to save the day because here come Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli with their Scooby-Doo ghost army. The army of the dead whoosh around the battlefield and city, taking out any enemy in their way, and the battle is over. Being the good king that he is, Aragorn lets the ghosties go now that they have fulfilled their oath. It's a good thing Eowyn nearly got herself killed by the Witch King in order to save Theoden. Oh wait, no, he dies anyway. Pippin finds his best pal Mary, who is severely injured and promises to take care of him. One moment, please. Oh my god, just stab me in the heart. We start off with the siege of Gondor is continuing. We have this detail kept in from the book that I appreciate where they're yelling Grand, which is the name of the battering ram that they're using to break down the door. Um, We see Denethor is up to something. Pippin 
sees him across the courtyard and <laughs> Denethor is getting ready to, he's going to just have a nice casual bonfire, shall we say. And he asks for um, wood and oil to be brought. I think the, it's like bring wood and oil is very and dramatic. And the music gets all ominous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Denethor definitely wins the award for drama king like, oh, or drama so steward. Dramatic. He's not a king. <laughs> drama <laughs> steward of Gondor. He's like. <laughs> That's the only king he is, is the drama king. Yeah. He's just like can't not be extra, especially yes. in this portion as it gets toward mm-hmm. his end. And I love that every everything that comes out of his mouth is so dramatic and oh, like so dramatic. poetic. He, like, like it's very Shakespearean. The words and, yeah. As he says them. Yeah, and John Noble is so good in this role. Oh, so good. You just love to hate him. There's very few actors really in this series. I say that and I don't know, there've probably been a couple that I like just totally rag on, so never mind. But like there's just so <laughs> many actors that I'm like, "Dang, you're really good in this." Right? <laughs> Yeah, he dramatically, I think, yeah, like when they're entering the hall, he's like, there will be no slow death and embalming for Faramir and Denethor. We shall, I don't, I don't, I don't even remember what Burn he says. like the heathen kings King of old kings. or something like that. Yeah, yeah again, very dramatic, very dramatic. Yeah. He's like, let's set up a funeral pyre. Yeah. Even yeah. though we're not dead, it's fine. <laughs> just, you know. Yeah, it's important to note that Faramir is still very much alive at this point. I think you could have made it more extra, like make it a Viking funeral, but just shoot the flaming arrow straight up, you know, (laughs) wait for it to come down. Like there's more he could have done. (laughs) It's we'll we'll get more into that, but it's way more dramatic in the book. It's so Mm. much more dramatic. And it kind of pains me that they TBH toned it down a bit for the movie. If you can believe that. Um, so yeah, Pippin sees what they're up to and he's like, hmm, that's curious. We'll come back to that to that plot line in a bit. Gandalf is now the king of Gondor because he's giving everyone commands. Right, he's just running the show. Yeah, I love that juxtaposition that the true leader, the one who's supposed to be the leader is just super up high where it's safe and staying out of it all. And, um, you know, a true leader like Gandalf, he's down in the in the muck getting his hands dirty, so... He's, yeah, Denethor is just totally preoccupied with his own insanity. And Gandalf is, is giving orders and, and saying, like, whatever is behind that door, you will stand your ground. <laughs> right? And Grand is menacing. Like, yeah. that's something to fear. Also, I was wondering this. Why don't we have strongholds anymore? Like, you know, almost every city in Middle Earth is like a stronghold. And even in the Wild West, we had like forts. <laughs> How come we don't have anything surrounding our towns anymore? You go ahead and build a giant <laughs> wall around our little house. Go for it. <laughs> I just mean, feel like it might come in handy. You yeah, never know. no, it, it They would, might bring a sure. ground around. Yeah. And also, like, why would you put, again, this is this is not the first time that, like, the geography of Middle Earth has been brought up. And, and question but like why would you put your like capital city most important city of Gondor like right on the border of Mordor <laughs> right. like where oh don't worry we have this tiny little fort down by the river that's going to protect us it's never going to fall <laughs> it's never going to fail exactly. us don't worry yeah questionable I mean I guess that's all I guess these are all things that had Gondor had a king for the last a thousand years maybe it would have been better but yeah because I think Minas Morgul used to belong to the the good side too so I think it's just that Mordor's shadow is growing since you know after Minas Tirith was built 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they break down the door, and the the graphics and like special effects of Grand breaking through, and then the trolls. It was very much to me like I was on a ride at Universal <laughs> with a 3D <laughs> effect like coming in my face. It wasn't very great for me. Which is funny because I think that was practical. I think they used a miniature for that, but they might oh. have like digitally enhanced it in some way so maybe that's what i was gonna say but yeah maybe i think i could be wrong but i I think it was a miniature it might be um i'm sure i'll find out eventually when i get around to finally watching the 20 different like commentaries that they've made for all that's the best part that's the best (laughs) i love it so much I know, and all the behind the scenes, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure. So I think on some sh- like on some shots, it was fine, but there was this one uh, shot when it's br- right when it's breaking through the doors that just looks mm-hmm. so computer generated to me, and it just like really, t- it, it was just one of those moments that like took me out and be and, and made me be like, oh yeah, this was this was made in 2003. Yeah. Again, <laughs> so yeah, Gandalf is like, whatever happens, stand your ground. And then it breaks through and all these like trolls come through and the sound cuts out and Gandalf's face is like, oh, crap. Oh, dang it. (laughs) And then you hear you hear like a background guy yell, run. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, whoops. Never mind. Never mind. We're we're screwed. (laughs) Flee. Flee for your lives. So they break through and Minas Tirith is being ravaged by trolls and orcs. This is great. At least at Helm's Deep, they had like caves for all the women to go through, like kind of protect like a second layer of defense for them for the women and children but here you just see like women and children running through the streets like they were very ill prepared they had no i mean i think that's to be expected when you have denethor leading them because that was the only reason that they're prepared at all is because gandalf showed up i think because of that they didn't have the preparation to evacuate the women and children which does happen in the book. I remember that because in the book when Gandalf and Pippin come to Minas Tirith, it's like deserted. And the only people there are soldiers, basically. And they mention that okay. the women and children have been taken off to like some far off, I don't know, city of caves. I don't know. Somewhere else. So they were adding some drama for the movie there. Yes, definitely. I do appreciate there's some guy like laying on the ground and people are just like literally stepping on him as they <laughs> run away. It's a war. You got it. If you, I mean, if you don't want to get trampled on, then then don't lie down in the right? middle of a... I just love that it really looks like an actual actor. Like I think a, it was. I think it's an actual <laughs> actor. Like somebody was like, go lay down there. People are going to step on you as they run you. across <laughs> you. Yeah. Given like all of the things that I've read about like there's one part uh, later on in a battle sequence where an extra fell off his horse and it was only yeah, by luck yeah. that he didn't get trampled to death right. basically <laughs> and I'm just like Jesus Christ these extras did probably not get paid enough money for sure <laughs> but they get to say they were on Lord of the Rings <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty cool it's pretty and cool. they almost died would you that's the question then would you get trampled by a horse or some orcs to be on Lord of the Rings if I could say, if I didn't get trampled, but you could say I almost got trampled. So you wouldn't be trampled to I be want, Lord of the Rings. I want there to be I a t-shirt that was yeah. like, I almost died on the set of Lord of the Rings and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. Um, and they did make those t-shirts for the extras for Helm's Deep that said, I survived yeah. Helm's Deep. Uh, so our next scene, 
is uh, Frodo leaving Shelob's lair. He's sneaking through Mordor and we see, oh, it's so, it's so creepy and it's so good. We see Shelob's legs like slip. I almost said slither, but you know, she's a spider, not a snake, but like, you know, kind of similar effect, like her legs like creep out of this like hole that she's been hiding in. She creeps up above Frodo we can see it's like the classic you know horror movie situation of like turn around turn around the murderer's behind yeah. you there's also no sound there's no yeah, music yeah i love how quiet it is oh it's so it's so like well crafted this like very brief 10 20 seconds uh, of building tension finally at one point frodo turns around to look behind him there's this like weird stylistic choice where there are these like really quick shots of him looking around until that point in the movie i don't think we've ever seen something like that before they probably just call it a pov shot like a point of view shot yeah first person shot yeah yeah that's a good yeah that's a good way to describe it because it's like him looking around behind him to be like what was that noise of course he doesn't see anything and then behind him we see shelob slip down and her stinger juts out and stabs oh, so him <laughs> It's very Such gross. A good moment. And then I was wondering, as like his mouth starts foaming, I was like, did Elijah Wood have to like bite on a capsule of something? It was like Alka Seltzer. So I was gonna yeah. say, yes, he he kept um two Alka Alka Seltzer tablets hidden under his mouth, and then he chewed them up when he got stabbed. And I thought that was funny because like that's a good practical effect and stuff, but like the efforts that like they went to to do that, he doesn't actually like foam up that much. Like you barely see it. Kind of. It's pretty subtle, yeah. Yeah. But even then, you'd be like, man, that's some quick acting poison if he immediately starts foaming, foaming at the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's real nasty. Um, <laughs> also so about, also, like, just a heads up, there's going to be an absurd amount of trivia for this, like, two, three minute scene with Shelob and Sam and this fight and everything. I don't know, like, what it was about, like, all of the trivia that came out about this scene, but, like, there's a lot to yeah, talk about, lot. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the stinger, Elijah Wood was actually stabbed with a prop stinger, and in the commentary, he and Sean Astin were talking about this, and he said that it was actually very painful, and it actually did a lot of damage to him, to the point where he had to go stay in the hospital for a few days. Oh, wow. And Sean Astin says that they had to use the excuse of appendicitis to get him in, which like, I wonder, I wonder if that was like, we we need to get him in quick. So we're just going to lie and say he has appendicitis or if they just didn't want to be like, yeah, he's <laughs> he got stabbed hurt. by a prop. Spider stinger. Stabbed by a giant spider. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Sean Aston apparently made this joke in the commentary that he wonders if that's what jinxed Elijah Wood because later that year he actually did have appendicitis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um and again, like just another moment of like, oh my god, these actors. It's like crazy what the filming of these movies did to their bodies. Like yeah. this is not the first story, you know, of a actor on Lord of the Rings being hospitalized or injured. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So that's the trivia for, for that part. And then, yeah. So Elijah Wood, I mean, uh, what's his name? Frodo. <laughs> Frodo gets stabbed. And this is, I don't know if it's just that I'm so distanced from the movie in terms of time and my first viewing, or if it actually was bad, but the shot of Frodo like reacting to the stinger and then foaming up and like collapsing and the facial expressions he does, I hate all of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so cringy. As in you don't feel like it was well done? Yeah. <laughs> okay. It just seems to me like a very typical Elijah Wood acting moment. And for me, I've just seen this movie so many times that like I, I don't really even think about it. Right. You know? I don't feel like, like I could see it any other way. So it's so hard. It just way. is the way yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Frodo passes up the, oh my God, the, yeah, Sheila catches him, wraps him in the web. The like ASMR sounds of her <laughs> wrapping him in yes. the web is so gross, but like it's so well done. Everything they did with Sheila is so well done. So if I'm ever saying like, oh, it's so gross and creepy, that's all like a compliment, you know, because it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be gross and creepy. But like the web wrapping and and spinning and the sounds, it's so gross, but it's like so well done. Well, I don't know if you if you talked about it in your last episode, but Peter Jackson is like deathly afraid of spiders. Mm -hmm, And and so that he would have the Weta team like design you know, he had all these concepts of spiders lined up and he would pick, he picked the one that freaked him out the most. And so I think he really got into, into this scene because it scared him. Yeah. And then, uh, Shelob is like about to eat him or, or whatever. And Sam, Sam pops up out of nowhere. But it's really Peter Jackson, not Sam. (laughs) (laughs) Cause that's, yeah, that's when Peter, when the hand shows up, that's Peter Jackson's hand. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I totally missed that fact. Yeah, That's so Peter so cool. Jackson wasn't sure. He wasn't sure how to show, like shoot that shot. He wasn't sure how he was going to get Sam in in a cool way. And he was, he just, it just kind of came to him. And it's a really simple shot. It's just his arm and hand showing up holding Sting. Yeah. Um, which is really cool, but yeah, that's that's Peter Jackson's hand. He just put on Sean Astin's costume because they're they're similar sizes, and, they're and both he just plump. yeah, they're both pleasantly <laughs> plump at the time. And he, he's just like just roll camera, and and he jumped into the shot. That's so funny. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Why wasn't that on? See, that's what's so crazy is that like the amount of trivia that I read every week and the stuff that I write down, which like I don't even write down all of the trivia that I read to share on each episode. So like there but like even the fact that like I had no idea about that just means that the places that I'm getting my trivia from still is not sharing like all of the fun facts and trivia and behind the scenes of the filming that like there's still way more out there oh yeah i mean on the extended discs there's more special or behind the scenes stuff than the film itself and it's wonderful i love it Um, yeah, it's, yeah, Sam pops up, he has Sting in one hand, he has the light of Galadriel in the other, and he says, let him go, you filth, and the fellowship theme comes in for a bit, and I love that for Sam, because usually the fellowship, that very, like, triumphant, da, 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 that usually only comes in for, like, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, Gandalf, and Sam gets it. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. That's cute. I did feel like watching it this time that the the star of Alinda like it didn't seem very bright to me. Like I f- felt like maybe it mm. should have like I don't know deflected the spider more or something. Well, I, I just, also have I, I have questions about that and the like mechanics of it and the purposes of how it works in this scene because so he holds it up and it like wards her off, but then like right. he drops it. At one point, Sheila, like, flicks it aside, and I'm like, how are you able to, like, touch it if it just 
previously like fended you off and then it's also sitting there the whole time but it's not it's only when sam grabs it and holds it up that she's like oh no the light of galadriel or elendil yeah it seems yeah. to dim as soon as he drops maybe it. maybe has to connect to a person in some way you know like it feeds know. off of their own hope or something who knows um I mean, like, I know the real answer is that, like, it's it's plot, you know? You can't just right. have them be like, oh, the light of... It's dramatic. Elendil, yeah. <laughs> and then she's gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so Sam and, and Shelob have a big fight. I hate the part where she's, like, just trying to stab him with the stinger. Oh, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, just oh, rolling gross. around. It's That's so gross. <laughs> it's so gross. Um, but it's also, like, a little bit comedic when you think about the fact that she's just trying to, like, stab him with her butt, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the you know in the comedic in the I'm five years old sense (laughs) Sam defeats her eventually stabs her under the belly and she is hurt injured enough that she leaves Sam discovers Frodo has been killed oh no rest in peace (laughs) I know Frodo is looking pretty dead there so fun fact and again another like random trivia about this scene Elijah Wood apparently has this ability to stare blankly in front of him for a long time without blinking. (laughs) And that's what he, you know, obviously that's like what he did for this scene. That was actually him. They didn't get like a dummy or a prosthetic or anything. It was just Elijah Wood staring blankly into the distance. (laughs) Casey and I were talking about that to kind of foreshadow ahead, but like with um, King Theoden as well. And like their abilities, yeah. just all of a sudden your eyes look really glazed and you're like, man, they do look dead. How do you do that? <laughs> How do you study looking dead? <laughs> right. Like what is the, <laughs> they're like, okay, you got to find a, a point to focus on that's like not too far away, but not too close. And your eyes have to, I don't know how they do it but they do it well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Another thing about this scene is that the web that Frodo is wrapped in was a latex body suit of some kind, and Elijah Wood <laughs> joked that it felt like the world's largest condom. <laughs> <laughs> and this was where on um, the bacon and eggs episode of this, we, we joked that Elijah Wood body condom sounds like a Cards Against Humanity card. <laughs> <laughs> Totally does. I would love to know because I'm a huge nerd about like costumes and things. So if like how to like zip up the back, did they have to like shimmy him in it? Like what was the process? Did they wrap here? him like a mummy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, how do they get him out of that if he has to pee? Like how long yeah, was he too. shooting in that? That's so claustrophobic also. Like, oh my gosh. Just, you know, sitting there for hours while your, right. you know, yeah. scene and partner is crying over you. People can't, like, you can't get yourself out. Somebody else has to let you out. Maybe they had no. a waist up, a waist up only version for the close up shots mm. so that he could pee. Yeah, maybe. Sam discovers that Frodo is dead. Oh, so sad. Um, if only people in Middle Earth knew how to check a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> and this is also, yes. you know, not the not the first time. That's what's so funny is this isn't the first time in this movie where if someone just checked a pulse, it would be okay. Right. Save them a lot of heartache. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam just kind of stands there crying over him, is very upset. This scene was Sean Astin's screen test for the part of Sam, actually. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They were just like, you're just going to cry a lot about Frodo in this movie and in all of the other movies. So you better get used to it. We got to make sure the actor who plays Sam can 
make us all feel very sad all the time. Cry on demand. And <laughs> yeah. he does a great job. So <laughs> when Sam is sad, I am sad. So mm-hmm. it's working. Mm-hmm. Then he sees Sting light up blue, which means that orcs are nearby. So he runs away and hides and orcs come up and they're like, this fellow ain't dead. <laughs> <laughs> this you is... gotta love when the orcs come in and give you the narrative. Yeah. They're like, let me explain to you how she loves work like mm-hmm. how her poison works so that you as the audience aren't confused mm-hmm. I'll just let you in on that they do that there's a lot of orcs giving exposition in two towers in particular where they're like don't you see this is we're trying to take these fellows to saruman and but like just in case you haven't been paying attention you know or you're confused um i have to say i am it does pain me that we get like none of shelob's backstory and everything from the book Everything you learn about Shelob from the book is given in what I call a, a TTT, a typical Tolkien tangent, where he just goes off and tells you a story about things that have already happened and have nothing to do with like what is currently happening, but he has no way to like naturally weave it into the story, so he's just going to tell you in a page and a half tangent story. Obviously, like we can't just have a, a cutaway of like, and now we're going to tell you the backstory of Shelob and how she came to be the servant of Sauron, sort of, because Sauron just lets her do whatever she wants because she keeps everyone out. And I just, I can't remember exactly what the quote was, but there was like one specific quote that the way Tolkien described her, I was just like, that's so cool. But we get none of that here, unfortunately. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the orcs are like, this fellow ain't dead. You know, that's how Sheila likes them is she, you know, almost kills them and then she sucks up their blood and then they decide that they are going to take Frodo that's when we have the zoom in on Sam of being like, oh, no, <laughs> I messed I up. Say, Sam, you know, I'm a fool or something. Yeah, yeah. He says like, oh, Sam, you fool. <laughs> and technically, this is where Two Towers ends. We are, what, two? So this is two hours into Return of the King. And everything that Frodo and Sam have been doing it has been Two Towers book which is just so wild to me. Again, I'm not going to go into another rant about the how Peter Jackson ruined the structure of Two Towers, but... I don't know. I prefer it. I think because, I don't know, I think it's the way Tolkien structures it is odd for a movie. I mean, 100%. Me. Yes. Yes. And I think you would... I mean, I would just skip the whole second half of Two Towers, the movie, if it was like Two Towers, the book. So <laughs> I also agree with that. It's... They had to intersperse Sam's and Frodo's stories with, you know, Aragorn and with the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other fun stuff. Well, it's also hard because when you get into Return of the King book and you get back to Frodo and Sam's part of the story, it's in chapter three that they destroy the ring. Whereas the entire, you know, it takes 10 chapters in the other side of the story for them to Pippin and Gandalf arriving at Minas Tirith all the way up to them going to battle at the Black Gates is 10 chapters versus Frodo and Sam's three chapters. And then, of course, the famous seven chapters of <laughs> of ending of the, the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it is a mess and that is kind of Tolkien's doing. I guess I can't really blame the movies too much when the source, the structure of the source material was so weird and off to begin with. 
Frodo Frodo's not dead yet. I'm not dead. And he goes off and Sam's like, oh no, I messed up. And I think that's the last we see. Yeah, because the rest of this section of the movie that we'll be discussing is the Battle of Pelennor Fields and the Siege of Gondor, which um were, I think they were my favorite chapters in Return of the King. They were my favorite parts to read during this story. Yeah, I love this <laughs> section. So it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's also, it might be an unpopular, it probably is the unpopular opinion, but whatever. But I think the Battle of Pelennor Fields is better than the Battle of Helm's Deep. Just saying. I actually would agree with you, yeah, but I think I like we prob- might be in the minority. Yeah. Really? There's three of us here. I think that's a majority I find it, we're majority. Right? I find yeah. it more, yeah. like, that's true. <laughs> there are I find no just... other opinions outside of ours. <laughs> it's just so emotional. And I don't know. I feel like bigger things happen too. Oh, like, it's so good. Anyways. It's so good. Big things happen. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> like this part of the movie that we watched is what just over half an hour, and I was like, that felt so short, but also so much. So much happens. happens. So much so happens. Much happens. <laughs> so we see Denethor laying Faramir down on the pyre, and if you have the subtitles on, you get the fun edition of whimpers faintly coming oh. from Faramir. <laughs> so sad to let you know yeah just (laughs) whimpers faintly um same and (laughs) pippin bursts in to stop them but denethor drags him out and throws him out so he can be left to burn himself and his son alive just casual father-son bonding which again denethor being like the most extra he says my favorite line that i just want to start using when you know you like say bye to somebody you just be like go now and die in the way that seems best to you <laughs> right yeah it's like the best parting line ever just when you're really upset with somebody just be like go now and die in the way that seems best to you it also <laughs> brutal that just kind of feels like a mood for 2020 slash 2021 of like right go now and die in the way that seems best for you yeah yeah because denethor obviously Den- denethor's lost it He's totally out of his mind bonkers. In the book, we later learn the context of he's been looking in the Palantir. That is absent here, unless it's in an extended edition scene, which I will find out in a couple weeks. But uh, I really wish, I mean, again, it would add it would add more time, you know, to an already long movie. I get it. But I wish that they had added the context of Denethor is insane because he's been using the Palantir. Given that like we we saw like what happened with Saruman that like we're able to kind of understand and be like, oh, that explains it. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. That checks out. Okay, so this this scene of Denethor dragging and throwing Pippin out. Yeah. They, I, I rewatched it like a billion times. When I was watching it for the first time, the person I was watching it with was like, oh, did you notice that? They swapped the right. body double out. And, blah, and I was like, what? Huh? Yeah. So <laughs> to get the idea of perspective, as Denethor drags and throws out Pippin from the burial chambers, Billy Boyd's body double was dragged and rolled out. And when the double and when he is thrown I think so I think this is what it means is that scene the shot where he's throwing Denethor's throwing Pippin out the doors he's throwing the body double onto the ground and then Billy Boyd is the one that pops yeah. up okay right mm-hmm. there was another shot right when Denethor grabs him and his like cape 
crosses over the camera and it looks like they tried to use that as a transition oh. and so i was trying to figure out if that's where the body double swap happened i don't know it was just this one shot that i kept re-watching and i was like so did they switch out maybe they had a denethor body double because you see billy boyd's face i'm gonna confuse myself talking about this any further <laughs> so i think it's just the one shot okay. of when it shows him throw out throw the double out okay billy boy knew to pop up when the double hit him in the back. Yeah. That's when he knew how to pop up. Okay. So. Okay. Pippin goes running out looking for Gandalf to help him. And we see a lot of sweeping like overhead shots of Minas Tirith being absolutely demolished. There's lots of flaming catapult balls. I don't know what you would call those. Yeah, and the trolls, the orcs, the... It's, everything. Man. It's a mess. Everything. I was kind of reminded of the Battle of Hogwarts in the last Harry Potter movie. Um, So, like, I wonder if maybe they got inspiration from from this battle. Obviously, that movie came out after Return of the King came out. In the Battle of Hogwarts in the movie, there's a lot of, like, similar overhead sweeping shots, like, just a lot of different, like, a variety of destruction, if you will, happening, like, things being torn down because they're being hit with rocks, and then there's orcs and trolls and, and everything. People are screaming for the women and children to be hidden, you know, tucked away and into safety somewhere. And it's not good. It's not going good, guys. I think this might be, this might be it for our heroes. This is the end. Yep. It's over. They make it feel very, very like, yeah, like it's going to be the end. It's very (laughs) bad. And and you're like, how are they going to get out of this one? And then you hear it. Then you hear the horns, and it's the best feeling in the world. Oh my gosh. When I say, (laughs) literally every time the Rohirrim show up, I've seen this part of the movie now many times. I've read the books. I know that the Rohirrim show up and that they come, but every time it's... Oh, it's still exciting. It's... I, I lose my mind and I'm like, it's so good. And I'm surprised every time too, because I always forget where they show up. I think from like this watch onward, I'll remember, but I kept thinking that all of the Pyre of Denethor stuff happens first and then they show up. So when they show, I just, it was the epitome of the shocked Pikachu meme. Just <laughs> utter astonishment for me. And this is also like a moment where this is why I like it better than, not why I like it better than Helmsteep, but like for me, this feels way more triumphant than Gandalf showing up at the end of Helmsteep. Yeah. Like this one is just so, it's so good. Because it definitely, it definitely mirrors it. I mean, both happen oh, yeah. at dawn um, and at the, the last possible moment, but there's something about this one. That just feels extra special. I think especially since uh, the people of Gondor didn't come to King Theoden's aid uh, at, at Helm's Deep. And so I think there was that you know previous hesitation where he's like, well, why should I show up for them? So it feels extra cool that they're like, okay, we got to help out our fellow man here. And just the rows and rows of like pretty horses and the trumpet sound. And yeah, it's good. <laughs> so good. And there's also this, it's like a role reversal because at Helm's Deep, it was the opposite. It was Gandalf showing up to help out Theoden and Theoden being like, all hope is lost. Oh no. And then Gandalf shows up and it's all better. And then, you know, now it's Gandalf is like, oh no, all hope is lost. And Theoden shows up and it's it's so good um i'm gonna scream about that until the end of time this is my favorite (laughs) moment in all the movies 
it's one of my favorite moments in all any of any movie, but definitely mm-hmm. of of these movies is the Rohirrim showing up here. That's good. Theoden gives a, a rousing speech. Actually, not really though, because I a lot of the things that he actually says. I'm kind of like, I don't know if that would encourage me or motivate me, but... <laughs> I had that same thought. They're all screaming death. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's their, like, motivational charge to action. He's, They're like, death! And I'm like, I don't know if that would actually motivate me to go into <laughs> battle, but okay. Like, I think it's interesting, though, because it points out that King Theoden knows that this is definitely his end and probably the end for, for a lot of people for like mm-hmm. the third age of there's a third age of man yeah and so it's like yeah he but, says like but the that's what's cool is that like they're going to battle nonetheless mm-hmm. i know he says ride for ruin and the world ending you're like, yeah that's okay. it mm-hmm. that's it pretty clear <laughs> instructions okay yeah. <laughs> But you do have that great line from um, Eowyn, and I love her talking, and she says, Courage, Mary. Courage for our friends. So good. So sweet. They're so sweet. They're like, okay, we might all die, but at least we can, maybe we can save our friends first. (laughs) At one point, Eowyn has to, like, hide her face because Theoden is, like, passing by her and she might be recognized. I have a lot of questions about like Eowyn going unrecognized. If you're like one, if you're afraid that Theoden is going to recognize you, maybe don't sit near the front <laughs> of this <laughs> yes. army. Maybe go in the middle back, somewhere. Yeah. She's no coward though. She has to be on the front line. And two, how is it that no one, how is it that no one else in the army is like, hey, isn't that our backup king? Right there. <laughs> like, is it, isn't that Eowyn? Because in Two Towers, we're led to believe that Eowyn, is, you know, she's Lady Eowyn. She is a leader of sorts for the people of Rohan and Edoras. Eowyn, like, leaves her in charge. He's yeah. like, look, when I don't come back, this is all yours. So, like, how is it that... And she also has Mary with her. So how is it that not one person in this army is questioning her being there? <laughs> or Mary you know, being because there? Because Mulan can get away with it. Because from... men are stupid and blind. That's the answer. <laughs> you know what? I will accept that answer. That makes sense. That checks out. <laughs> they're also worried about riding to ruin and the world ending. That's true. They're, they like, have other things Not really to paying out. attention <laughs> up to this rider carrying a weird shorter rider. Yeah. They're like, whatever. <laughs> does this thing where he rides down the like front line of horses with his sword and he like touches all of them this was yeah, their spears yeah their spears with his sword and this was Bernard Hill's idea however I can't help but think I, I just can't get the image out of my head that it looks like what um, all the kids do at the end of like a eight year old soccer game where the teams line up and you high five each other and you go good game yes, good game good game <laughs> yeah <laughs> like that's what well, good thing good thing he didn't like chop any of the spears in half. Yeah, that too. like <laughs> he's like shoot. Now you don't have a weapon. Well, you're riding to ruin anyway. I don't know. Questionable. Whatever. And he also doesn't do it for the whatever. I'm not going to question it. It was Bernard Hill's idea. Okay, fine. <laughs> and so then they charge, and everyone we get like a bunch of shots of like. Theoden screams, Aomer screams, Eowyn screams, Mary screams, everyone's screaming. (laughs) So this scene of them charging had to be filmed 52 times before the crew was satisfied with the take. And during the process of all of these takes, 60 of the 280 horses... So first of all, there were 280 horses participating in the filming. That's so many horses. And then second of all, 60 of the 280 had to drop out. (laughs) from from the filming exhausted yeah Yeah. (laughs) 
They're like, we've been overworked. Oh my gosh, just madness to me. And then like a huge portion of the writers were women, right? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't they didn't have enough men writers in New Zealand and so they had to Casey, are you actually writers. looking at my notes somehow from, no, from I, that? Because that's literally the next <laughs> the next point. How did you know that? <laughs> It's just my brain. It's just the way my brain works. <laughs> it's full of Lord of the Rings trivia. Yes, there were several hundred New Zealand extras to make up the live action Rohan army because a lot of it also was um, CGI. I think I've met, talked about in previous episodes about how for a lot of battle sequences, they had a lot of it was computer generated and they had like a whole special program to to program the individual like fighters to make sure that they weren't accidentally fighting people on their own side and like all this crazy stuff yeah tons of new zealand extras again i wonder if it was the same extras from hell's deep who were like emotionally (laughs) scarred from filming for that long or you know whatever and yeah many of them were women who had to be dressed as men i guess for the sake of being like awen's the only woman on the battlefield which i guess checks out now that i think about it because if you Okay, I'll give them this pass because before I've been like, why can't we just have their, you know, like maybe there are just some women writers because Eowyn does say in Two Towers, she's like the women of Rohan learned long ago that we will die by sword or, you know, whatever. So we know that like the women of Rohan have trained themselves somewhat. So like, why can't there be female writers of Rohan? I guess that checks out when you take into consideration the whole witch king thing. And being like, well, why can't that random woman in the background come in and help her out? Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, also, I should. I mean, of course, I have to mention fourth Aorlingus. That's the the rallying charge cry. That's way better than just screaming death. (laughs) (laughs) And the Rohan theme comes in. Oh, that's so good. It's good. My favorite. Oh, it's my favorite bit of music in the movies is the the Rohan. And they they go into battle and there is kind of a funny moment of the like orcs who they turn around to face them. The the orc leader has this expression of like, maybe they'll like chicken out and turn around and then they realize, oh no, we're about to get trampled by horses. <laughs> and that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the potato face leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> potato face. Yeah. That's what we call him is potato face. That's the official name. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I didn't write it. I didn't write it down for this set of notes, but there is a trivia about like he has an official name, but apparently the extras refer to him as Pimplehead or something to that effect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and they like didn't because they didn't know that like he actually had a name. <laughs> but yeah, I like your what did you what was it? Potato face? Potato head? Yeah. Potato That's face. what we tend to call him is potato we face. Yeah. Potato face. <laughs> That's much more interesting than Gothmog. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So this is why I think I'm surprised by the Rohirrim every single time is because just before that, you're so preoccupied with Denethor and Faramir and Pippin is running around frantically trying to find Gandalf and you're just like, oh my God, I hope he finds him in time. I hope they find Gandalf and Faramir isn't burned. And blah. And so when the Rohirrim show up, it's like, oh my God, that's happening too. So Pippin is still running around looking for Gandalf. He finds him and he says, Denethor has lost his mind. He is going to burn Faramir alive. And Gandalf's like, not on my watch. <laughs> Grabs Pippin. They swing into action. We see Denethor 
gross shot of Denethor <laughs> pouring. It's the best shot. You mean the it's, best shot? Excuse it's, me. It's right up there with the tomato munching. He's like a he's like a WWE wrestler oiling himself uh. before the big match. Except his mouth is open, which is fun. So this oil that he pours over himself was a mixture of water and glycerin in order for them to achieve the you know effect that they were going for. And this obviously had to be filmed in a single take, which like just makes me wonder, like, what happens if you don't get that shot? <laughs> Do you just have to be like, well, back to hair and I mean, makeup. See you in a couple reset. hours. Like, yeah, yeah but then be long. the oil would be so hard to like get out of the costume. So you'd have to have like a second costume ready. Yeah. Or if he like starts choking on the oil because his mouth is open. So <laughs> it could have gone wrong in so many ways. <laughs> It's and, yeah. I mean, it is wrong in so many ways. <laughs> I mean, just that's watching it. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to again, kind of like a moment of like you're supposed to feel uncomfortable with what's happening. You know, you're not supposed to be like, yeah, this is great. Everything that's happening, I'm on board with. Yeah. So we have a gross shot of of Denethor oiling himself, and I was like, ugh. And then it cuts to Faramir covered in oil, and I was like, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> My boy. Um, <laughs> you know, Casey and I always talk, as a side note, we always talk about how, like, in, you know, rom-coms or whatever, the line between somebody doing something where it's, oh, that's cute or, oh, that's creepy is just whether you like them or not. Like, that's the only difference there. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. So that really works out with, you know. So the oil is the same, but so the, the difference is it's Denethor yeah. versus Faramir. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know that um, the there's like a hundred variations of this meme, but the one of, of Drake where he's like looking away and oh, in the yeah, first yeah. shot and then the next one he's like smiling and pointing. That's like me, right. like Denethor oiling himself. No. <laughs> Faramir covered in oil. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And Denethor stands on the on the pyre and orders for them for the guards to light it on fire. And everyone kind of like moves really sl- like <laughs> they're like, wait, I don't know, I don't know about this. Who's gonna <laughs> who's, who's gonna go first? first? <laughs> I'm not doing it. You go first. I mean, you'd think that they are they're guards of the steward. You know, they're supposed to do as they're told. But at some point, at what gotta, point do you say no? You gotta yeah. break. With your leader mm-hmm. there and be like, no, you're pretty nuts these days. There's, um, if I remember correctly, a lot of the like Siege of Gondor and the Pyre of Denethor chapters are dedicated to that conflict of, of the people who follow Denethor and Pippin trying to appeal to them. Right, because isn't there a guard who lets Pippin in when he's not supposed to? Yes, Baragond. He is not oh, yes. in the movies. Rip Baragond. Yeah, Baragond in the book is a is a soldier and he is the one who Pippin has to... He's like, please try and do whatever you can to not... And Baragon's like, I don't know. Uh, Denethor's my surrogate king. I'm supposed to listen to him. And Pippin's like, you're not going to have a surrogate king. You're not going to have a steward in about five minutes if you just let him do whatever he wants. You need to stop him. Yeah, there's like a lot of in the book of, of Pippin trying to appeal to the guards and, and other like people of Gondor being like, don't you care about Faramir? And they're like, yeah, we love Faramir. And he's like, well, he's about to die being burned alive. And he's definitely not dead right now. So you want to do something about that? Could probably honestly like be a commentary on like blindly following corrupt leaders? <laughs> Question mark? There's a story maybe? in there. Yeah, there's something there, yeah. <laughs> I maybe, was thinking yeah. the same thing about how, how uh, Gondor seems very ill-prepared. Like, you know... It could yeah. have been guarded better. When they maybe? first break through that door, it felt very uh, 
present. And I uh, yeah. should add the caveat: uh, we are recording this on January 9th. An attempted coup happened a couple weeks ago. I mean, a couple days ago. It feels like a couple weeks ago. Holy cow! Um, that's the context of where Valerie, Casey, and I are right now <laughs> in this space and time. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, listener? And I think we watched this section the the night after. I think. We didn't watch this on the 7th, and so it felt like really timely and uncomfortable. (laughs) There's a good chance when this episode comes out, we have a new president. So that's exciting to to think about. Where was I? Oh, yeah, the guards. Yeah, they're all like, I don't know about this. Are you sure, dude? And right as they're about to light the pyre on fire, Shadowfax likes a dramatic entrance, (laughs) kicks the doors down. (laughs) Although he had to have been, you know, controlled by Gandalf. So it was Gandalf being like, we're going to kick the doors down. It's going to be real cool. I don't know that Shadowfax is really controlled by anybody. It would have been fun if it was just Shadowfax that saved the day. That would have been great. (laughs) Bill the Pony comes back. (laughs) Yes, Bill the Pony. Through the door, Bill the Pony. You think Shadowfax is coming in, but Bill the Pony comes trotting along. We can all agree that would be the best Deus Ex Machina oh of all my time. Gosh. <laughs> I, I mean, I will forever stand by this statement that the horse that rescues Aragorn in Two Towers movie should have been Bill the Pony. Been I know. If he'd have just kept coming back throughout the entire trilogy, it would have been amazing. He could have been the true hero of the franchise. He could have carried Frodo up the mountain. Up the mountain. Spoiler <laughs> alert, he doesn't. But Oh my gosh, it would have been so good. Okay, um, sorry, I'm just still laughing at the Build-A-Pony thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they charge into action. Denethor grabs the torch himself and drops it down onto the pyre and lights it on fire. Pippin springs into action. I mean, those hobbit feet. They, they talk about how they're calloused, and I mean, they're oh, really living true. up to their rough, name now. Yeah. He's like, those hobbit feet are what save Faramir. I liken this moment to a mother lifting a car off of her child. <laughs> right? Because he's like three times as big as Pippin. And he, yeah, he jumps up, pulls, uh, like he's rolls like, Faramir off. Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think... So, like, yeah, it could be that, like, oh, his hobbit feet are able to withstand, like, the heat or the flames or whatever. I think it could also just be that he is such an adrenaline rush for saving Faramir that he doesn't even notice the pain he's in. And I love Gandalf's quick staff to Denethor. (laughs) He's like, yeah, (laughs) done. (laughs) No messing around. No trying to, like, talk him down off his burning pyre he's just like no so when filming for this scene they couldn't actually light the pyre on fire i like i like really i know they held that one off so so here's the thing though here's the thing is the reason behind it just makes me laugh they couldn't have a real fire on the set because the horse playing Shadowfax wouldn't go near it. That was the reason. It wasn't that, like, oh, it's a hazard to everyone. Not because there's humans <laughs> going to be standing on the pyre, but the horse. It was the I'm horse. i you, the exhausted horses that got out of the extra shots. Poor things. Uh, they have better agents, apparently, than everybody else. Yeah. They're like, no, my horses will not work under these conditions. Oh, my gosh. Whereas the actor's agents are like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> They'll do it. It's fine. So, um, yeah, so to solve this, this issue of the fire, they reflected a real fire onto a, pla- a pane of glass in front of the camera so that it looks like the pyre is burning. And I just think that's a, a cool visual effect. But again, it just makes me laugh that they only did this because the horse wouldn't go near it and not for the danger <laughs> of of the actors involved. 
Pippin saves Faramir. Denethor gets knocked on his on his butt. He gets drop kicked by Shadowfax, <laughs> which again should have been Bill the Pony. <laughs> <laughs> should have been Bill the Pony. It is now that Denethor realizes his mistakes because Faramir opens his eyes and they make brief eye contact. Which side note, poor oh my god, poor Faramir. Like <laughs> you wake the amount up- of trauma. And PTSD he is going to go through after this. <laughs> he wakes up and he sees this, you know, his father, who the last he saw him basically said, you better come back dead or not at all. And then meanwhile, Faramir's right. like, here I am <laughs> trying to be burned alive and, and just just a lot to unpack there. And this is when Denethor finally seems to like wake up and realize what happened. But I don't understand why it's now, because there have been several moments where we know that Faramir is alive and he will like physically move or, you know, lest we forget whimpers faintly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or that he just disregards Pippin being like, he's alive. Yes. Like if somebody was like, he's alive, I'd be like, oh, I should at least double check that, right? I know the answer. It's because men are stupid and blind. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's for whatever reason, convenience of the plot, whatever you want to call it, that Denethor now is like, oh my god, what a terrible thing I've done. But it's too late because he's already on fire. <laughs> so he runs out, flailing the around. Most dramatic death scene. Very of all dramatic. Time. Once again, steward of drama. <laughs> Gandalf says, and so passes Denethor, the son of Ecthelion. Gotta love Gandalf for just like straight face. Well, that happened. <laughs> he looks. So tired. Right, so tired. So (laughs) tired. I don't know if that was like the makeup department being like, Gandalf is probably really tired right about now in the battle, or if that was like actually Ian McKellen was just really tired (laughs) at that point in shooting. He looks so tired. Okay, so yes, Denethor runs out. He flings himself off of the top tier of Minas Tirith, um, and we, we pan out to see the whole battle happening. So I like this in the sense that you see the scale of like... This insane thing happened where the current leader of Gondor set himself on fire and it's not even like a drop in the bucket compared to what's happening elsewhere. You know, like there's so many other things happening. There are more important things to do than worry about our crazed leader setting himself on fire. However, like I said earlier, I like it so much better in the book because we have this aspect of the Palantir that we know has driven Denethor to insanity and he is holding the Palantir. Actually, let me pull it out. I When I was starting the movie episodes, I was like, oh, I'm going to do a thing where like I'll highlight passages from the book and I'll read them every now and then throughout the episodes to be like, see how they totally nailed this or see how I, you know, it's so much better in the book here or whatever. And then I think I did that once. Um, just pretend I've been doing this regularly throughout the movie coverage. Then Denethor leapt upon the table and standing there wreathed in fire and smoke, he took up the staff of his stewardship that lay at his feet and broke it on his knee. Casting the pieces into the blaze, he bowed and laid himself on the table, clasping the palantir with both hands upon his breast. And it was said that ever after, if any man looked in that stone, unless he had great strength of will to turn it to other purpose, he saw only two aged hands withering in flames. And then uh, and then later on, looking back, they saw the dome of the house crack and smoke issue forth. And then with a rush and rumble of stone, it 
fell in a flurry of fire. But still unabated, the flame danced and flickered among the ruin. I think it's way better in the book. Just saying. I think it's so (laughs) much cooler. Because Denethor in the book doesn't, he doesn't have a moment of regret. He does because he's too far gone. Oh, I mean, he's so far gone. He takes his means of insanity, his means of ruin, the Palantir, and just cuddles it as he dies. Like, I mean... (laughs) It's so cool. Like there he makes go. he makes the active choice to lie down and die and yes. explodes like the thing <laughs> engulfs in flames and th- that's how he goes. Whereas in the movie, it seems so apparent to me and so obvious that they got a stunt man and dressed him in like a fire suit, set him on fire, and then said, "Run and flail around." And that's just all I see whenever I see Denethor's death in the movie, which is unfortunate. Because I mean, this sounds terrible to say that, like, "Oh, Denethor's death is one of my favorite parts of the books," but like, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. So I mean, like, like we were saying though, he is he's so dramatic and he's so extra, but he's even more so in the book. It's just one of those things that, like, I have to accept that they went a different direction for the movie. I mean, you're welcome to recreate your own scene. (laughs) I would watch it. I'll find a pony somewhere. I'll recreate this scene with Bill the Pony, and I'll do it where I am all of the characters. You should do this for all the scenes that you prefer the book version to the movie. Oh, my God. You can splice it with the parts of the movie that you (laughs) like, and it'll be perfect. (laughs) You're just watching Return of the King, beautiful cinematic magic. Masterpiece, and then it cuts to this like terrible low budget one woman performance of <laughs> of the pyre of Dinathor. Exactly. <laughs> and then it just cuts back to the Battle of Pelennor Fields like nothing happened. All right, moving swiftly past Dinathor's death, like everyone else in Gondor has to do, because actually probably no one even noticed what happened. Let's be honest. Right. The few people up on the top. It could have just been one of those flaming catapult balls. So. Yes, exactly. Aomer's having a great time on the battlefield. He's doing real good. He's slaughtering things left and right. The the faces he makes, by the way, I think there's like a couple, I think it was maybe earlier, there were a couple shots of him in the battle of just him like screaming and being like, Aah! and I'm like, you go, Amor, you got this, Carl. Yeah, when, he, when he's first charging, that face that he makes, mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> we have this shot of Theoden like commanding, like, you know, they're in battle, you know, it's not like, oh, we're obviously winning, but they're holding their own, and Theoden seems proud of that. He's like, all right, yeah, we got this. And then you hear this roar, <laughs> and his face <laughs> yes. is like, oh, no, we don't got this. <laughs> this this whole section is such an emotional roller coaster because you got the high when the Rohirrim show up, and then it gets kind of low with all the Denethor stuff, and then you get the high when it gets back to Pelennor Fields because they're doing awesome, and then it really sinks low because... The giant oliphants have shown up. It's hard to not have this happen when you look at ha- the way that Return of the King book is structured. But the fact that like this is that like Return of the King has like two climaxes, two like very big climaxes, and the Battle of Pelennor Fields is one of them, and then obviously the Ring being destroyed is the other. You know, normally the Ring would be the climax, but like this is this is so epic and huge and such a like massive scale that like. You had, I don't know, it's just like very unusual for a movie to have two very like high emotion, high stakes moments. Yes, the Oliphants come in. People who have been listening since I have read the books, um, or maybe people who are tuning in as I've been covering just the movies, 
I had an aversion for the Oliphants in the books because I was very frustrated because when they are first introduced in Two Towers, again, in a typical Tolkien tangent, Sam just like recites a whole poem about Oliphants for no reason at all when they're like, oh, I think those are Oliphants. And then they stand there talking about them for two pages. (laughs) And I was just so frustrated by it. And then like the Oliphants walk past them and that's it. And they don't show up again until now. But it just like really frustrated me at the time and everyone was amused with my anger at the Oliphants. (laughs) Which leads the question uh, or begs the question I've been wondering, what did you think about the look of the Oliphants in the movie? Yes. So they've been like weaponized and it's so it's so freaky. It's like really I don't know. It's weird because like when I was reading the books, I never thought of them as being this like danger or this like force or weapon in the war I was just like oh yeah elephants but Tolkien said oliphant instead of elephant because he wanted to be quirky right because from the book you kind of imagine them just like a large way of carrying troops or something like you don't picture them as the weapons themselves yeah but they've got like extra barbs strapped around their tusks and they're like multi-tusked instead of just two they're very like ferocious in Mm -hmm. in such a way that like I just never imagined in the book and like honestly I feel there's the part of me (laughs) that like whenever they kill the Oliphants I'm like a little sad because I'm like those those Oliphants didn't know that they were a part of war they just it's not their fault that they are being used as a weapon in this in this war they're not evil they don't know right from wrong they're just being led by the humans on them But when you have something that massive, absolutely demolishing everything, like so many close up shots of just horse carnage, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you have to take people getting squished under their feet and you've got the tusks that like swing back and forth and just, you know, take everything out of their paths. It's like so shockingly violent in a way that I just never imagined in the book. There's this one point where Aomer like spears the like leader on one of them and then the way that the leader falls it like pulls the oliphant down and he like runs and crashes into the other ones when things like that happen and then later what legolas does too where i'm like great just keep doing that (laughs) like you like do you see (laughs) what you did there just go do that like three more times (laughs) you know they do pretty well i mean aomir takes down two right there and then eowyn goes riding between the legs of another one cuts all the legs so there goes she takes another Another one down. Yeah. A- uh, God, what are their names? Eowyn tells Mary to take the reins. And he has a moment of like, what? <laughs> How- yeah. I've never driven a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and she, it's a great moment of like Eowyn working smarter, not harder. And she grabs two swords and runs under one of the Oliphants and like hits and like cuts them behind the knees and the legs so that they fall down. And I'm like, yeah, Eowyn using her brains. This is where it's a lot of fun to watch the movies versus the books because oh, yeah. there's so many added details to the movies that like these are like hero moments that you don't that just don't exist in the books. Yeah. The book battles are very short <laughs> and they often just move really quickly past the battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just way harder that I mean that is, you know, the one thing I think where 
a movie will always be better than a book is when it's a battle sequence because reading a battle is so obnoxious because like I never actually had a really clear understanding of like what was happening in the battle when I was reading it. I never like was actually picturing like what was happening. And you can also, you know, you have a very limited perspective unless you want to jump around and show all the perspectives of your different characters. But then writing that and reading that is a nightmare. So yeah, so like watching it happen is definitely way more fun. We cut away and have this quiet moment with Gandalf and Pippin uh, as they're waiting for, they're like kind of behind one of the, I don't know, last tiers of, of Minas Tirith waiting for trolls to break in. And Pippin says, I guess this is where it ends. And Gandalf says, I believe this is a quote from the Grey Havens chapter that I covered with Casey. Yeah. And they give it to they give it to Gandalf in, in dialogue here. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, end. No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. And he like pauses dramatically. And Pippin's like, see what? <laughs> White shores and beyond, a far green country under a swift sunrise. And Pippin's like, that doesn't sound so bad. And it's very, again, just like, you know, another, we've had a lot of these moments um, in Return of the King where we're showing Gandalf comforting Pippin, whereas usually he's yelling at him. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it's, it's just sweet. It's a nice balance. <laughs> it's good. And then, you know, I'll always appreciate the moments in the movies where they pull quotes directly from the book because Tolkien was just so good. I love that. And I think it, I think it is fitting that, that Gandalf gets to speak it. It just seems right. Definitely. Um, and we, we go back to the Battle of Pelennor Fields. We get another moment of Théoden being like, oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> More? <laughs> because we hear the screech of the Witch King coming in. And I don't know if the Witch King like was specifically targeting Theoden and it was like, that's the king. Because Theoden's not necessarily dressed super differently from everyone else, but like he tar- definitely targets Theoden. But it wouldn't be, the, yeah, you'd want to target the leader. Yeah. The person yelling orders, I guess. Maybe he could tell. I don't know. But yeah, we get this look on Theoden's face of, oh, you've got kind of similar to in, in Fellowship in Moria when Boromir goes, they have a cave troll. <laughs> they have a witch king. <laughs> yeah, he gets taken out. And, and knocked over his horse, crushes him, and right as the Witch King is about to like go in and deal the final blow, Eowyn steps in. So good. She picks up a shield and gets ready to fight. She hacks off the head of the monster fell beast thing. So cool. <laughs> Um, does it like very successfully also. It's almost, I think it's like one stroke. She's like, yeah. strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Witch King is kind of like, I don't know, throw, thrown off by this. He's like, what? But then the way he steps down and he's like, you know, you you just, his uh, presence is just so big mm-hmm. in that shot. Oh, actually, also that reminds me, the so Lawrence Macari is the actor in the Witch King costume. However, the voice of the Witch King was apparently Andy Serkis. I'm like, I mean, I get it if you have Andy Serkis on set, but like, geez, because Lawrence McCowry was also the actor who played um, the main orc in... In Two Towers. No, Fellowship. Or maybe... Fellowship. 
He's he also, also Potato Face. Is he Potato Face? Okay, yeah, yeah there we go. He is Potato Face. Yeah. He plays all the big characters. I think he's though. a lot. Yeah, I think he's a lot of different characters. If they need some gravitas and size, mm-hmm. they yeah. chose him. I don't like the fight choreography here. I really don't because it makes Eowyn seem very clumsy and like she doesn't know what she's doing and like the only reason that she is alive is just she's just lucky that the flail keeps missing her and stuff whereas they take this time in two towers with that that scene of her and the sword and like clashing it with aragorns and everything to show that she is skilled and she is graceful and she knows how to fight and like on one hand i get that like oh maybe it's just that she's afraid or whatever but i just don't like that this choreo this like fight choreography just makes her it makes her look very clumsy where i know she can be a very graceful and skilled fighter I think that's fair. I took it as like, she's probably just exhausted at this point. That's also true. And she's, you know, she's facing off her biggest enemy to date. And so compared to him, she wouldn't be as skilled. But yes, you always want, you always want your heroes to look like I just want her to look cooler. I just want her to look way cooler. I wanted this scene to be way cooler than it is. Right. (sighs) Again, another like detail from the book that I don't know if like I I think the only reason I knew that it happened is because I knew it happened in the book where she she like picks up a shield and then the flail hits her in the arm and her arm breaks. Um, So they show that happening um, and she gets knocked back and we cut away to some ships arriving. Huh? I wonder what those ships could be. And the I like the orcs that are already there. They're like, oh, pirate scum always late. (laughs) (laughs) Which if the orcs think you're not doing your job well, probably means you're really low rung. Aragorn pops out (laughs) with Legolas and Gimli. They like whoosh out of the ships in a way that looks very digitally done, but that's okay. I will forgive it. (laughs) But I, I need to know, but like right after that though, you get Aragorn who is just like sauntering oh, forward. Oh, I love it. Of course. And it, But okay, is it better or the same as the uh, when he pushes the doors open See, at Helm's Deep? Mm-hmm. What do you think? How no, does it rank on your question. scale there, Mary Clay? I need to know. Um, He's not... Of Aragorn moments, <laughs> where does this rank? He is not wet or dirty in this scene, so that loses him some points. Because um, as we all know, Vico Mortensen as Aragorn, looks way better when he is wet and or dirty. Um, so for that what reason... What if he had been covered in oil? How would that have... Oh, way up there. <laughs> Where would that factor on the scale of Mary Clay's Aragorn moments? Way up there, way up there. I wrote down, I'm so happy to see these fools again. <laughs> yes. Them just popping up out of the ships and, and the orcs are like taken aback and surprised by it. And they're like, what? Gimli says like, there's plenty here for the both of us. May the best dwarf win. <laughs> I love that added detail that they are continuing their competition from Helm's Deep. And I don't remember if this was a detail that Tolkien continued into Return of the King. But if he didn't, he should have because it's so funny and it's so good. And I think that's like really smart of the writers if that was something that they decided to add in to Return of the King that like, oh, well, naturally they would keep their competition going. Aragorn goes to rush forward with the sword and the ghost army appears behind him and they all surge forward. And again, we get a flash of that that fellowship theme that pops in for a bit. 
so then we we go back to Eowyn fighting the Witch King. Mary is Mary like kind of I don't know if he was like knocked unconscious or, or whatever. They got separate. Eowyn and Mary at one point got separated in the battle, and he goes to help out his pal Eowyn, his best buddy, right as she's like about to be killed, and he stabs the Witch King in the leg, and we see you know we see the his like hand burning or whatever sizzling um, because of that. Then that gives Eowyn the opportunity. Oh, wait, because then I missed the crucial detail because the Witch King bends down to like kill Eowyn and says like, fool, no man can kill me. Because men are blind and stupid. Because men are blind and stupid. Yes, this is true. When he gets injured and knocked down, Eowyn rips off her helmet and says, I am no man. And then she does a questionable scream. I'm not happy about the scream. It's a little cheesy for my liking. It's but... a little cheesy. I love it, but it's a little cheesy. <laughs> it's a little corny. She's like, Rah! and then stabs him in the face. And the way that he crumples in. Like a tin can. Yeah. yeah. A soda can. Yep. Yeah, it looks like a soda can. Yeah. Crumpling yeah. in. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, the Witch King is no more. The Witch King of Angmar has been taken down, not by the hand of man, by the hand of woman and hobbit. Exactly. So this begs the question, what exactly does it mean when it when he says, not by the hand of man? So does that mean that just like that like Gandalf could have killed him? Does that mean that any of the hobbits, Legolas, Gimli If Bill the Pony had come back. <laughs> Then it would have been a build guaranteed. a pony, drop kick some, <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh-huh. So what do we what do we think Tolkien meant when he wrote "Not by the hand of man"? I don't know if I could say what he means, but I think it's just a fun like foreshadowing that he's like, oh, oh, look what I can put in here. <laughs> he's like, if I put no man, then I can use Eowyn right at this moment. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. Cool. Neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Eowyn kills kills the Witch King. Good job, everyone. We can go home. We have successfully now dismantled the patriarchy. We yeah. did it. Yes, we did it. <laughs> Except the extended edition kind of ruins things after oh, this point. I won't. No. I won't say what happens. But for the most part, I don't mind the extended edition. Yeah, editions. But there's one editions? scene that is. It's okay. Is wrong. It should not be in there. Because <laughs> there's the things that happen to Eowyn in the book after the battle too. I hate that's so true much. so yeah I, I understand that. feeling stuff the, just the whole when when Faramir like kisses her and she's like yes I shall be a shield made no longer and uh, Faramir said god I hope not Aomer that would be gross Faramir <laughs> Faramir says like the lady is healed and I'm like oh yes because you healed her with your love mm-hmm yeah, that's all well, she needed was a man to make her whole again or something. So. And luckily, it's not that part that the extended does poorly. It's just an added little action thing that oh, happens no. after the Witch King. That's just um, not. It's like it's she just, just did this great, magnificent thing, and then they make her look weak again. They just kind of really make upsetting. her a damsel, like right after, for no reason. Yeah. Um, the the houses of healing stuff's fine, actually. I, I like that stuff better than in the book. But it's yeah, it's just this little action scene that they've thrown. Uh, in. 
Great. Anyways, looking forward to that. Just to, just to, to, to prepare you. Yep. Darn the patriarchy. Patriarchy rears its ugly head once more. But on the bright side, next we get like the best Legolas and Gimli. Yeah, moment. yeah. We go, we go back to Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli fighting. Aragorn orders Legolas to go take down one of the Oliphants. I just love Aragorn's. Sorry to interrupt, but like his confidence in Legolas there. Yeah. He's like Legolas just. Take care of it, please. Like I know you <laughs> Go can. Go take down that monstrous beast. Just, you know. Like somehow, <laughs> some way, get it done. <laughs> All on your own. He doesn't even say like Legolas yeah. and Gimli. He's like Legolas. Legolas, Legolas will just do it. Go take He's care of it. He's an elf. <laughs> Um, yeah, and take care of it, he does. He swoops up into action, and it's this whole sequence of him, like, absolutely destroying all of the people on this Oliphant and totally taking it out. Some of the shots look okay. Some of them, I'm like, that is bad CGI right there. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure this was, like, a reshot, um, like, a, a scene in reshoots. I don't think it was planned originally, and so I think that some of the special effects were probably rushed. I think they were just adding it on top and so that's probably Mm. because it does it doesn't look great yeah yeah they were definitely like hey there aren't any stairs for legless to surf down on a a (laughs) shield in this in this field so what can we do to make them look cool for all the teen girls to to fall in love with (laughs) it does allow us to get gimli's wonderful line at the end yes (laughs) he takes out this oliphant full of at least a dozen people (laughs) yeah yeah gimli goes but still only counts as one. <laughs> <That's my favorite laughs> line. One of the best legless Gimli moments. I don't know. I think that should count. I mean, the, the Oliphant itself only counts as one. Yes. But he no, he took out like 12 people up there. That definitely exactly. counts on for his score. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It adds up. But I get it. Gimli can't just swoop up there and and take out 12 people. That's an unfair advantage that Legolas has. Yeah, it's scenes like that that make me wonder what the 4K looks like. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you're listening and you have the 4K, can you tell me, does the Legolas taking out the Oliphant scene look any better special effects wise? Just just let me know. Or does it just highlight how bad it looks? Yeah, or does it just make it worse (laughs) is my my question. Yeah. Things are kind of now winding down on the battle. The, The ghosts are like they swarm into the city and this is where so when we have the scene of Aragorn awakening the army of the dead and it's like just them and it's like close up it looks fine like it works for me on the battlefield it feels very like Scooby-Doo to me (laughs) yes I had that same thought it's like this green fog Mm -hmm. this green like screechy noise like screechy fog is like rolling in yeah it's very like cartoonish for me and the way it just like sweeps up all of you know the levels of Minas Tirith yeah and you're like okay I guess that makes sense yeah Either way, it is what happened. It is what happens, <laughs> yes. And there's one point where in the background, I don't know if it was meant to be comedic, but like it was a little bit comedic to me where in the background you see the ghosts swarm over this one oliphant and just take I it think, down. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be a little comedic. Okay. I, I, I always read it that way but because it is kind of funny. I feel like you have to be like, yeah, that's meant to be comedic. Otherwise, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that was really poorly planned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really poorly executed. <laughs> yeah. We're going to hope that their intention was comedy because that's what they got. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I should also bring up, uh, this would be a good point to bring up, that Peter Jackson actually hated the Army of the Dead and thought it was too unbelievable. But he kept this in in order to remain faithful to the book. It's at this point that I'm just going to not scream about Faramir um, and being faithful to the book. (laughs) 
Um, you're the director. Move. When you're doing your one woman show, <laughs> you can pick and choose Mary Clay. I know. I know, I know. <laughs> How faithful to I be. just think it's so funny that like of all the things for him to be like, no, we have to be stay we have to we have to stay faithful to the book. It's the Army of the Dead. Which I don't I don't know how they would have like that'd be a big yeah. one to change though. Yeah. If you're like, oh all of a sudden I don't know what, there's just more writers of Rohirrim or yeah. fewer Oliphants or... Yeah, exactly. Or Legolas does it all himself. Yeah, it's just yeah. Legolas. <laughs> it's him in the background taking it Yeah, the- Aragorn's <laughs> just like, Legolas, take care of this. Yeah. That's it. He could do over. it. Gandalf and Pippin have found their way onto the battlefield. I su- I'm wondering if there's a deleted scene somewhere that I'll see in the extended edition that shows what Pippin and Gandalf were doing. Because last we saw, they were waiting for death in Minas Tirith. I mean, I think I don't the- think there is. Oh, I think yeah. have- no. I think the ghosts come and save the day, and so then they're like, they're just, Sweet. yeah, we'll go find our but, friends yeah. on the battlefield. Yeah. Gimli is like, these guys come handy in a pinch. Let's keep them around. Yeah. Oh, wait, actually, no. Am I skipping something? Oh, I totally glossed over the fact that Theoden dies. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How could we... <laughs> so I totally forgot that, too. <laughs> so much happens yes. in I mean, this that's part. That's we mentioned it earlier, where he has those great glassy eyes. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah. So, um, he's just gone. That's right. Yeah. So we we go back to it's after the 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 army of the dead swarm over this one Oliphant <laughs> um, that we go back to Eowyn and Theoden. And Theoden is dying and is saying like, "My body is broken. It's time to let me go. I shall join my fathers, though I'll be ashamed in their presence or or whatever." Doesn't he say he won't be shamed in their presence? I don't remember exactly what the exchange. Yeah, was. I think it's more proud, but yeah, more proud because it's like. Dying on the battlefield is like the way to go if you're going to be a warrior king. I don't remember exactly what the line, but it was to the effect of like, they are so much greater than me, but I hope that what I've done here today makes me, yeah, more proud in their More like that, but not like a, oh shoot, I ashamed them. It was more like, I got the feeling he was, like I did my best. Yeah. So hopefully they'll take me in. He tried his best and that's what matters. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, he does. Rip, rest in peace. <laughs> um, this is. I was looking in the book to see what happens because I couldn't remember. It's actually Mary who uh, is with Theoden when he dies, which is just so like random and funny to me that like it's right? Mary. It <laughs> seems more fitting to be Eowyn. A- 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 yeah. I guess it just depends how badly injured was she at this point. Maybe she couldn't have been by Theoden. I think uh, she maybe. was yeah, t- like incapacitated or whatever. Killing the Witch King does that to a person sometimes, I think. It's exhausting work being a shield maiden of Rohan. Stabbing the patriarchy in the face is work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because he, he says something like, I wanted to save you. and she, No, she says it. I tried to save you. And he's like, oh, my dear, you already have. And then he dies. <laughs> Glass eyes, everything. Um, now we and have... And then we get Aragorn. <laughs> Aragorn talking to the army of the dead, yes. Being the good king that he is. Mm-hmm. And even though they would have been useful in a pinch, he, lets he them releases go. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Aragorn just, yeah, piling on to that, you know, column of evidence of like why Aragorn is going to be a good king. Oh, also, it was like just now that I kind of thought about it that they are all still wearing their elven cloaks with the little leaf brooches that they got in fellowship. And I just love that. I don't, I just love that, like, <laughs> It's been such a tough time since they received those cloaks and they're still wearing them. And I just love that because it's like the last little, I don't know, reminder that like they used to be the fellowship. Yes, when they all had matching clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, actually, before we go to the, the last scene of this section, I of 
course, need to do this week's segment of Is Vigo Mortensen Actually a Ranger? Yes, I've been waiting. <laughs> this trivia fact is actually from Fellowship of the Ring. Whoops, because I don't know why it was in. Sometimes the, the trivia b- gets like mixed up when it's like being sorted between the three movies. So I didn't ha- I didn't find this fact until recently, but I'm going to share it now anyway. Because Lawrence McCowry's vision was impaired while he was made up to look like Lurtz. So this is the, the orc leader that kills Boromir and that Aragorn has the fight with at the end of Fellowship. He could not pull punches during the sequences when he battles Aragorn in hand-to-hand combat. Rather than have McCowry do this sequence over until he could pull his punches, Viggo Mortensen decided to fight back just as realistically, making the physical blows completely real. (laughs) (laughs) So he really fought an (laughs) Urukai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his vision was impaired, so he couldn't do stage combat punches, so they were real punches. And rather than waiting until he had, I don't know, practiced enough in order order for him to do stage combat, Viggo Mortensen was like, no, let's just throw hands. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And that concludes this week's segment of Is Viggo Mortensen Actually a Ranger? (laughs) So our last scene, we have... The sweetest. Oh, God. It just just stabs me in the heart. Um, Pippin is looking for his dear pal, Mary, and he finds him. Which, if anyone could find anyone on a whole battlefield filled with death... I know. It is these two. They can just find each other. (laughs) It's so cute. Yeah, it's like like I was thinking about the scale, like the scale of it, and how. Oh, you're searching through hundreds of thousands of people. You're like, looking for a hobbit, and they're like there are oliphants and they could have been everywhere. Under a horse or yeah. under an oliphant, or like what are the there odds? Are horses everywhere. There are orcs everywhere, and you would just have to find the hobbit. Good <sighs> thing happen. He's got a sense. I just for realized, it. you know, good thing the ghosts didn't think that the hobbit was an orc because the end could have killed him. Mm-hmm. Like Treebeard thought it would. They were little orcs. So that I'm glad true. the ghosts mm-hmm. didn't think that. They have some kind of like sensor on them. Good guy, bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mary Mary says, oh, Pippin, you found me. And he says, are you going to leave me? <laughs> and Pippin says, no, Mary, I'm going to look after you. Oh, and then he pulls oh. his cloak up over Mary um, and takes care of him. And... It's adorable. I love it. I was thinking about that in this entire 30 minutes that we watch. It's like we get some of the best moments of a friendship in this section. Oh, yeah. Like we have Sam save Frodo from Shelob. We've got Legolas and Gimli's like competition mm-hmm. continuing. We've got Mary and Eowyn working together to take down the Witch King. And then we've got Pippin who can find Mary out of an entire battlefield. I love that. Oh, oh. Good friendship moments. I love it. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. I love it. Next week, listeners, is it. Um, we will destroy the ring in next week's episode, which is Yay. madness to me. Um, Finally there. But then you're also not there because there's many endings. <laughs> many the parting mini parting Yeah, there will still be one more episode <laughs> after that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just so wild to me. I remember planning out all of these episodes and being like, okay, oh, I'm going to have the winters on in Return of the King. That's months from now. And then, like, here we are. (sighs) All right. So that, yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode. Casey and Valerie, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, What would you like to share with our audience? Valerie and I host uh, our podcast, Hello from Elsewhere. We talk about all kinds of pop culture stuff, including Lord of the Rings sometimes. So... 
you like Lord of the Rings or Star Wars or Harry Potter or other obscure stuff, pretty much everything we we cover it so yes it is a wonderful wonderful show and then i will also retroactively plug bacon and eggs which at the time that you're listening to would have come out several weeks ago but valerie and i are recording for it tomorrow (laughs) um we are guest hosting and we are doing an episode on princess diaries and i'm so excited for it i'm excited i love i love princess diaries (laughs) so so i'm excited just to listen and then actually and then the week before that casey was also on bacon and eggs so we're all just doing a bunch of crossovers for WBE. And I was talking about Willow, which is at the beginning is basically Fellowship of the Ring. So. I still have yet to see Willow. I gave a rating for it, um, but <laughs> I have yet to see it. <laughs> I gave That's it a amazing. really high rating because I wanted it to oh, do well because I know you love it so much, Casey. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Meanwhile, so nice. I'm over here like 50. <laughs> 50 out of 100. This is Willow we're talking about. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBE.org. And I also suggest following WBE Network on social media so that you can stay tuned for some fun announcements that will be happening in the coming weeks because we are adding three shows to the network. It's very exciting. I'm really excited for these creators to join us on the network and it'll be awesome. And in the meantime, you can listen to our existing podcast on the network like Bacon and Eggs. Howdy, Yokes. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Hill, And we host Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. It's the most roll-your-eyes-I've-seen-it-before concept for a show. But with new hosts, I promise. Each week, we sit down together and watch a beloved movie. We start by looking at some critical and concrete points and let our conversation flow from there. We've covered all sorts of movies, from Jaws to Little Women. From the Lego Movie to the Lego Movie 2. From Marvel to Star Wars. From Back to the Future to Back to the Future Part 2. And tangents from our frustrations with fast food. To discussing our fear of the Mighty Loon. So if you want a podcast that makes you laugh, download Bacon and Eggs, a movie lover's podcast. With new episodes available every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, and now on WBNE.org. Ghostbusters 2! I, I, my, my hope and dream was that you would say that. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishon Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod, and you can also join the Facebook group that is linked in the description. You can find me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different tiers and perks. And you can become a sponsor like Alan. Alan, thank you so much for your support of the podcast. I appreciate it very much. All right, y'all. Next week, it's happening. We will go from two hours, 18 minutes, and 14 seconds to two hours, 50 minutes, in 55 seconds. It will start as Frodo wakes up in the Tower of Kirith Ungol, and it will end with our second fake-out ending, which is the fade to white with Frodo in the claws of the eagle. If you like what you're listening to, please rate and review. That helps other people find the podcast. And if you like this podcast, then tell a friend. Tell your fellow nerd, whether they have loved Lord of the Rings their whole life or maybe they have just gotten into it because this podcast is here for fans of all levels and backgrounds. All right, Casey and Valerie, do you have any parting words for the audience? Just thanks for having us. I know, this is so much fun. A lot of fun. It's always fun when I get to talk to you guys. Go now and die in the way that seems fitting. Yes. What is that the line? <laughs> What's that? You could end it that way, or you could end it with a, may you be the friend that can find your friend in the middle of the battlefield. Aww, and that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.